It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. We certainly would love for you to write in. Running out of things to talk about, not going to lie. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher as well. Lincoln, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. I, you know, I don't think we'll ever run out of things to say. There's just so many hypotheticals that we can, you know, employ. And there's what ifs, you know, that what if the what ifs did happen, but then the the second what if did. Ha- I mean, there's just iterations <laughs> that we can keep going towards. And uh, we, I think we can delve into Gordon's personal life, all of our finances. There's just a lot to talk about. <laughs> We could argue about the previous show that one of us wasn't on and why that person mm-hmm. was completely wrong. It can just go in a complete yep. circle. Yeah, I'm just yep. appealing to people's uh, goodwill to try to get more emails, to try to get more topics. Yep. We'll read some today for sure. But as, yes, as you mentioned, no shortage of, of hypotheticals. Uh, as we talked about yesterday, it is Bowerman Week on the site. You did your top 10 jerry schumacher coached athletes you didn't just say you didn't say bowerman because you wanted to make it broader yeah i was i mean it, you know a lot of their the top athletes were not it wasn't official they weren't wearing the the bowerman kits yet they were what still a part the of Oregon track black. club yeah uh so they were still wearing the the green and the and the trees a little bit there so yeah it was a kind of a confusing combination but i mean you know the pro team he's most uh, known for is obviously Bowerman. So that, I don't know. I kind of lumped them all in together. Okay. Uh, any controversial picks there? Any rankings that yeah. you labored over late into the evening yesterday? Yeah. Uh, no, most thing I was laboring over was just getting internet at, at this new residence I'm at. However, uh, a little bit of back and forth in my head for a couple things. One to who to put number one. I went with Evan Jager over Shalane Flanagan. Um, I don't know what people's thoughts are there. Uh, and then whether to include Ryan Hill or not. And I ultimately did not. 
because there's been a lot of medalists on the Bowerman Track Club and a lot of American records and a lot of national titles. And Hill, although he medaled, it was an indoor medal and he hasn't done enough as far as the record department and uh, other otherwise outdoor medals. So I left him off. That's a tough list to make. It's a tough list to get yeah. into the top 10 because there were some people there mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, yeah, like I forgot that person. And they yeah. ran for the Bowerman Track Club and they were really good. And some of the young younger people haven't had an opportunity to get, get in. Now, were you just including time that they competed with Schumacher or was the yeah, athlete's entire the, career eligible? Uh, yeah, that was I, – I was – I went in with the um, – wanting to do the just the time with Schumacher and that only became a complication well with two people was with Shalane Flanagan she was a medalist before she joined Schumacher so I kind of just left that part because she had such a good career a decade run with him of uh, making two Olympic teams in the marathon and then obviously winning New York that it was easy to include her even without her silver medal from Beijing and everything she did in cross country uh, before that and then since where I really decided it has to just be with sent with Schumacher was if this was a true top 10 list of the best athletes ever to be coached by Bowerman or by Schumacher Centro was Matthew Centro was would have to be on, except he's only been on the team for one year. So I said, kind of need to have the resume of what you've done with Schumacher. And in that sense, Centro had not done enough to, to make the top 10. You could put Alan Webb on there too. If you're going to include people who've been coached by Schumacher. It would get it would yeah, get a little that's, tricky that's, there, right? Right, exactly. And you know, Kara Goucher was as well. Mm-hmm. So it wanted it to be people what what they've accomplished with him as the coach. I I think if you include Shalane Silver from 08, then you have to put her ahead of Jager mm-hmm. clearly, right? Because then yeah. she has the silver, yeah. she has all of those U.S. titles. Which I, mean, I know Jager has a lot of U.S. titles, but Shalane Flanagan just ruled over U.S. five thousand. To marathoning there for for a long time, um, even before she went to the marathon, basically five thousand, whether or not it was roads, cross, uh, or on the track, all those little um, national championships. I mean, all those championships that, that she piled up throughout the years was was in crazy impressive. And then you throw in the the New York City title and the top five major marathon performances and the fast time in the marathon and the American records across numerous distances, but. I understand you needed to put a, a cutoff point and a lot of that stuff was before she went to, to Schumacher. So then it, then right. it becomes closer. And one other thing I wanted to factor in, and I, I don't know, it's tough to know how big of a deal this was being outside the team, but she was the first woman on the Bowerman track club. And you have to think of her a pioneer feels like a little too strong of a word, but you know, she probably started the movement towards there being a very, very strong female contingent on the Bowerman Track Club. She was the first, according to my limited research, the first uh, woman to be coached by Jerry Schumacher. So, you know, there was a leap that she had to take there. And I think she sort of paved the way for obviously the best female training group in the U.S. and maybe in the world. Yeah, I think we can say that definitively. I just just thought, well, when you go, it's tough to compare across – gender and across events um jager obviously he's got the american record has the two medals has all those u.s titles um but then you're trying to compare that to major marathon finishes right and 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 that is difficult um but i wanted to come up with a different list for bowerman okay 
and mine is just moments top bowerman moments um and i came up with geez what do i have here i have eight on here eight in no particular order. maybe we can order them at the end yeah any significance any significance eight you couldn't um, make it a 10 i mean i could but these are the eight that stood out and maybe you'll yeah. think of some maybe you'll think of some more this was just my first my first draft here um yeah so we'll start with the the most recent one you ready to start with the most recent one i think this I'm, qualifies I'm i think mm -hmm. this qualifies i think that women's three thousand at the bu last chance qualifies you had krisha Schweizer. Shelby Houlihan and Colleen Quigley all destroy the American record in in the same race. Was it a time mm -hmm. trial? A hundred percent, it was a time trial. But it was, I mean, it was. Um, they literally, I mean, it wasn't just hyperbole. They literally rewrote the record book in that race. So I think that needs to be yeah. included there. Oh, absolutely. And you add in the twist that it was Shalane Flanagan's record previously it was just a full bowerman onslaught sure it was kind of a weak record i mean fast three thousands are few and far between typically um they're not a super i mean it's an indoor distance but bowerman they race so sparingly they want to be focused on times that are going to be benefit them outdoors so they may be trying to run a fast 5k indoors or a fast 1500 so you're not usually going to see that uh, a fast one but at, adding in the fact that Krista Swiser took a step forward and beat Shelby Houlihan and and you know ran eight twenty five, it's it's one it's one that's going to stand out I think for a while, particularly so when it was one of the last really really good races before the coronavirus shutdown. It's kind of got a uh, I don't know. It reminds me of sweeter times. We watched it in the Atlanta hotel room at the trials, and it's just one of my last memories before. I stopped leaving my home. <laughs> it's got dark. This got dark. All yeah. right, the next one I have, uh, I'm, we're going in reverse chronological order here because the next one okay. I have late last year. Actually, I don't even remember. No, no. Okay. Yeah, this happened early fall, right? Woody Kincaid in the forest. Right, before Worlds. Um, yeah, before Worlds in... Uh, the, sorry, I just got a text update from my wife. She just killed a roach. So that's big news in our house because we, we just moved in and we we already had our first roach friend, but she got him. So big, big news. Um, okay, otherwise, <laughs> yes, this was before Worlds and this was kind of like uh, Souped. Another pure time trial. Yeah, so yeah, but 5K Souped You didn't even know this was really going to happen. I, I, I think we heard rumors that this was going to go down. Uh, the, the thing was, you know, Woody Kincaid and Lopez Lemong both finished in the top three at USA's, but they didn't have the standard in 2019. They did not want that to happen in the Olympic year that they thought was going to happen in 2020. Uh, so they ripped out this Portland 5,000. Uh, a film was made by it by our buddy, RJ McNichols. Really a lot of hype for a time trial. Uh, but aside from everyone running 13 flat and faster, I mean, Woody Kincaid's, why do I always get this confused? Is it, was it 1257 or 1258? I can't. I thought it was 1258, but now you have me. Okay. Yeah. I just, now, I don't know why. I can guess it. We have too many times yeah, in our head. That's why. Yeah. I, I do need to look this up, but the, the, I mean, that was, that's obviously his career defining race up to this point, um, which for somebody that 
I, you know, when he first 1258, uh, yeah, 1258, when he first joined, it was kind of like Woody Kincaid's on the Bowerman track club. Like what, what is, I mean, you know, he hadn't, he would have been good at Portland, but not somebody that you would have, he's not Grant Fisher, you know, for sure. Um, but when he sh showed how he was really, really fit in Des Moines, even then I didn't think, Oh, I don't think this is a sub 13 guy, uh, but the perfect conditions, yeah. perfect pacing from Mohamed and, and, uh, it was just a huge step forward for him and, and another, you know, more, more gravy for the Jerry Schumacher train as far as uh, showing how, how deep his squad runs. Because if you would ask me, where does Woody Kincaid rank on the current Bowerman track club? I mean, I think he would have been outside the top five. And now all of a sudden he's the guy that's like, if this guy figures it out, is he going to be a medalist? I mean, you know, he beat yeah. LeMong and, and, and Centro. And both those guys obviously are no slouches. It just was an incredible night and an incredible performance out of him. Yeah, it shows the depth of the team that you have three people run. Because we forget how fast LeMong and Centro ran in that race. If like Woody Kincaid wasn't in that race and it was Mohamed pacing and then LeMong and Centro yeah. ran what they did with those low 13 times, we would have been like, oh my goodness, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. And also, it's Woody Kincaid is, uh, as you mentioned, didn't come in as this blue chip recruit. Yes, he, right. you know, had some good races in the NCAA, but you talk about doing more with less. This is a perfect example, right, of, of that. Because you could just say, oh, Bowerman, they they already have, they take the best people from college and they just continue them on that same trajectory. And he's obviously done that with certain people takes a different sort of style and different sort of ability to take somebody and knock off what was it 14 seconds off his pr in one race um yeah, i mean and that was an indoor pr i mean so it, it, you know he had he had uh run the sunset tour race in la before usa's and nobody hit the standard but it was kind of like it, it just was not expected at all even after usa's yeah. i mean 1258 breaking 13 is still incredibly significant for for an American, uh, it just doesn't happen very often. I mean, I think Galen Rupp did it one time in his career. I know he was more of a 10,000 guy, but uh, for for Kincaid to be in, in that realm and to do it in a, in a race in the woods was 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 a little surprising to say to say the least. Yeah. So then I went back just a couple months to 2019 USA as a top Bowerman moment. I know this isn't mm -hmm. one single race, but I wanted something that captured the depth of this current group and mm -hmm. you mentioned yeah Kincaid didn't have the standard and Josh Thompson didn't have the standard and Lamont didn't have the standard in the five so there's three additional spots on teams they could have gotten but look at who they did get on they got on obviously Centro Shelby Mariel Hall Lamont in the 10,000 Frericks Quigley who ultimately couldn't run because she got hurt uh, Christian Schweizer in the 5,000. Am I missing somebody here? Jager uh, got hurt. So he, J Jager didn't run because he got hurt. Um, so that it wasn't yeah, a perfect tough. meet for them. It was not a perfect meet by any means for them, but the fact that they could not have an off meet, not have things go perfectly their way and still advance that many people in those races was, was was mighty impressive. Look, I, I don't want to just sit here and just say that 
Schumacher, everything he touches turns to gold. But look at look at somebody like Thompson, whose career looked dead in the water just like a year ago. And, you know, he was running like nine minute steeples and seemingly couldn't get anything right. And then he comes through at USA's and finally delivers on his potential. And then just to start 2020, absolutely on fire. And, and then, you know, he was leaving indoors like, oh, this is a guy that's going to be an Olympian. Like, unless he gets hurt, there's no doubt. And that's just what the turnaround that is for him and to mm-hmm. run 334 indoors. Just the, so if you wanted to say everything <laughs> that Jerry Schumacher t- touches turns to gold, I mean, he would be the example because he looked like somebody that's like, oh, okay, you know, Bowerman's allowed to have, one guy that just doesn't click and then they've had people before that, you know, it hasn't worked out, but my goodness, if you're on that team, the expectation and and usually the outcome is you're going to be making teams and you're going to be running very, very fast. And uh, it, it's just crazy how, how deep they are. And it showed that even though they didn't have a perfect meet, but I mean, you, you, you know, Houlihan didn't run the 5,000 at worlds, but she, she won the 5,000. And mm-hmm. you mentioned quickly, I know she didn't run a Worlds, but she got hurt. But And then also, he's not on the team anymore, but Andy Bayer made it in the steeple. It used to be on Bowerman Track Club. The reach is uh, is very, very far. And then, of course, we had Paul Chalimo, who, I mean, thanks to him, uh, it was nice of him to do this, sacrifice his own race, but he paced the Bowerman Track Club, which was nice. <laughs> which he had no intention of doing. It started <laughs> A a rivalry that has entertained us yeah. all for the last mm-hmm. year or so. Let's go back to 2017 because 2018. Well, Shelby 2018 was Shelby's American record, right? In the 5,000 was that 2018? Yes. Am I remembering that right? Yes. I didn't. I mean, there's correct. so many. There's a lot of records to choose from, so I I yes. didn't put that one on my on my list. Although you could, if you want to slot that in at number nine, I would not. I would not blame you. <laughs> I went to November 2017 for Shalane Flanagan's New York City win. Yeah. If you wanted to rank moments, I think that would have to be... I have it number one unofficially right uh, yeah, now. Yeah, it would probably be number one just for when it came in, in Shalane Flanagan's career. Uh, you know, it's kind of her riding and somewhat riding off into the into the sunset. A major marathon had eluded her. It was kind of the... The uh, how to every American. Had, this was before yeah, Des's I mean, Austin win, too. Yeah, this broke the right. the streak, the drought. That's true. It's tough to remember those things now, and it does feel like a long time ago, but yeah, it, it was huge as far as the, the drought that had been going on for U.S. American marathons. But but it really just put a nice bow on, on Shalane's career as far as what she had done to have really hit the hit the pinnacle of the sport. and. In on in every discipline cross country track and and the roads, it was a big one for her to get. Yeah, the F yeah across the line too. It had mm-hmm. it all. It had it all. It did. Um, it did. Yeah, because I think since she had been there, I mean, as you mentioned, she was the the first woman in the group too. There was that symmetry to her now achieving this accomplishment that nobody else. I mean, had been over thirty years since a woman had won one of those. So that was, I mean, the, the, the Boston streak was around that same time length. Um, she, de- she didn't get it in Boston, but um, I think if you're comparing, I mean, New York, they're both hard to win, right? That's the, that's right. the thing. Like, New York and Boston, they, they both have long American droughts. They don't have them anymore because of Flanagan and, and Des, but you're right. That was the, 
that was the, I mean, I think that's the top moment of her career, right? And if it's a top moment of her career, I think it has to be a top moment for the group just because of the role she played there. Um, we'll go back a few months there. This, again, I did a little bit of a cop out here. I just picked 2017 Worlds because they got three medals there. They got Jaeger's mm-hmm. bronze, Frerichs' silver, and then Amy Craig's medal in the in the marathon. So three three medals at Worlds. Yeah, the Frerichs one will always stand out. I know another American won gold in front of her, but just that one-two punch is – you just think of that when you – for me at least, when you think of the London World Championships in 2017, you kind of go with that first. But, you know, just looking at Amy Craig's career, she joined the Bowerman Track Club in 2016 when she was, you know, I don't know, 30, 33 or, or 32. She'd already had a, basically a career before this, but look at what she does as soon as she joins Schumacher. She she wins the Olympic trials in 2016. In 2017, she wins the bronze medal in London in the World Championships. And then in 2018, she runs 221 in Tokyo. I know she's had, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she wasn't able to run the trials this past February because of a sickness, but, you know, she had already had a full career before she joined him. And then right after it's like, she, she gets there and it's all of a sudden like, Oh yeah, the best three performances of your entire career. I mean, solid. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's legit. And then Jager, I know he had won the silver in, in Rio, but to get two medals after, you know, the, the narrative was like, when is he going to figure out the, the, the podium and the steeplechase? And then he had only missed in 2012, 13 and, and 15, but for him to become like, Oh, he's going to be a, a major player in every single final to get that to back it up with another medal i like my medalist to be multiple time medalist that's just me and uh <laughs> that, that was that was sure nice for him well like that brings me to my next one which was jagger from the year before because it's the silver medal and because it's the olympics um yeah. i had to throw that one in there as well too obviously look yeah. we remember a time when the United States was not good in the steeplechase. We remember a time when the United States was not meddling really in any distance event. So right. the fact that Jager reeled off two medals, if you had told someone that in 2001 or 2005 or even 2008, maybe he said in the men's steeple, the U S is going to produce a person who has goes into races with a chance for gold. And that was Jager in both these races. And I know that like that last little piece, that last little acceleration in the final 300 with the Ezekiel Kemboys and the Kinseslis Kipruchus is, is tough to handle, but Kenya had a, has had, had a death grip on this race for, for so many years. And now you see, you know, Ethiopia this year, almost, almost did it in, in Doha on that crazy race down to the wire where Kip Rochu sa- saved the streak. But um, Jager, because of what he did in Diamond Leagues, we and same thing on the women's side with an, a non-BTC athlete with Emma Coburn, where it's like, wait a minute, could the U.S. win gold in the, in the steeple? And Co- Coburn obviously did pull it off. But there's an alternate race there where Jager gets gold. Because I think like – like bronze or fourth was like his absolute floor. That's how good he got. That's how good he is, right? Is like, okay, I don't see him dropping out of like the three Kenyans can beat him, but that's pretty much it. Or maybe El Bacali can beat him or they'll be like at that time, um, his range of possibilities in, in these races was like, he's going to finish first to fourth. Like it's going to be somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. 
I'm curious what you think flipped for him. Maybe he just finished out his finishing speed, figured out his finishing speed. Because in tactical steeples, it, it, it was kind of just he couldn't, he couldn't, he didn't have that. No one did, but he didn't have that Ezekiel Kimboy gear when all of a sudden everybody's yeah. running sub. Not everybody, one of the best guys are running sub sixty or sixty seconds in the in, in the last lap. Did he just get fitter? I'm, I'm I'm wondering what what he did that clicked that all of a sudden it kind of seemed like he was going to go through a period for a while and maybe destined just with how deep the the the, the steeple is in in terms of the Kenyans and then you mentioned El Bacali. Did he just get fitter? Do you think? I don't know. You probably don't have an answer for this, but I, I wonder. Just it was like looked like it was going to be a serious problem because you remember back in 2015 he runs the American record should have broken eight eight minutes mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that untimely fall in paris and then he just got trashed in beijing just you know kimboy had an extra gear and he i mean he even got beat by dan hewling in in the final yeah. in beijing it was just like uh oh i don't know if this guy's gonna be able to figure it out in the final in the uh in the championship finals and then all of a sudden he's a two-time medalist two years later I, I did the speed increase uh what do you think was the result of him figuring it out at the championship races I, mean, I think it's speed, but I think it's also the fact of experience. He only started doing it in 2012, right? Yeah. And he's already I – mean, how old How old was Jager in 2012 when he was doing it? Because remember, he he left school early 23. to move. 20, yeah, he was 23. Yeah, 23. yeah so he was, he was basically the age of a redshirt college senior, right? Yeah, that's true. When he, when he debuted in the steeple. I just think it took the amount of – it took races – under his belt too to get to get used to it now the thing about steeplechase as people know is of all the distance races it mimics a diamond league race like the championships mimic the diamond league races more so than any other event because they don't typically dawdle too much in in yeah. steeplechase finals because of they have to go over barriers and things and jogging an 80 second lap is is treacherous with with that yeah. many good people so that's something that's something to account for as well too. I think that maybe maybe helped it a little bit in terms of okay, I just gotta I'm one of the fastest guys in the race. Let's just keep this going. Let's just make this fast. I didn't watch to prep for this. I didn't watch all of his races, but I seem to remember even in sixteen and seventeen, didn't he do a fair bit of leading toward the latter stages of the yes. race? Like wasn't he really he was really trying to get keep yes. the, and maybe he did that in fifteen too. He was trying to keep the pace going. Um, he was yeah. trying to get it going, but I mean, look, he, he, he started doing it in 2012. It took him about four years to get to the level. And now he had a head start because he was a really good 5,000 meter runner, but it yeah. took him four years to get second in the world. I hope we see, I mean, it's 2019 he got hurt and then obviously 2020 was scrapped. So now we got to go to 2021 with him. So now he's going to be what 30 my math now my numbers are all off 32 yeah i mean i i hope we get to see i hope he ha still has that form because you're right the potential to break eight was like right there obviously if not for the barrier he would have done it i don't think anybody disagree disagrees with that when you run as fast as he did and you were literally on the ground and then his ability to medal to get a gold He's already yeah. got the silver and the bronze, but 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 to get a gold is, is is right there. I hope he still has that has that opportunity. And look, he looked good in indoors when in it, coming back. I mean, you know, I think he ran three fifty six in the mile and ran well in, in Boston when they ran a three k. Um, 
I, I wouldn't think that it would be anything that, that would be missing. I mean, may, it might not be an eight flat shape right now, or, and, you know, it may never break eight minutes, which I know is something that's high on his list. Um, but I didn't see anything in 2019. Yes, there was an emergence of a couple Ethiopian athletes, but there's nothing to me that says he's going to be, you know, he, he has stopped being a factor in the championship races just because he, he's going to miss two years, unfortunately. Um, he, he's still right there. I think he's still plenty young enough to be a pretty big factor. I know you can't copy and paste one person's career onto another, but Ezekiel Kimboy basically did it for 30 years. Uh, I don't see why, why yeah. Jager wouldn't be able to do it if he can stay healthy. Well, the thing with Kemboy too is he's a generational talent. It's not like Jager went in there and was losing to just a guy, you know, a carbon copy of somebody who just fills that slot and can run 805 to 759 or something. Like, if Kemboy wasn't there, and this isn't a controversial opinion, but it's like he would have won. He would have won. Like, like it wouldn't have been like, oh, somebody else just would have popped up and and, and filled that void. No, like Kemboy is special, right? Kemboy's mm-hmm. last three hundred meters is absolutely bananas, absolutely nuts. Oh, yeah. Like, like he's he's that good. Kiprutu, um, kind of starting to get into that same realm too. So it's a tough era of steeplers that he's running against. But Kemboy in particular was so good was so yep. good that you might if you go back and look oh man some things could have broken differently for him obviously you talk about the Paris race but i think you also think man he was going up against he was go- oh, yeah. going up against Kemboy when Kemboy still had something left he comes around maybe 2 years later or something and and Kipruchu is still on the rise and Kemboy's on the way out could be a different result there yeah and when i think of it's weird it it's, for a guy who's accomplished so much, I do still associate when I think of Evan Jager, I think of that 2015 race in Paris where he ran the American record, but tripped over the final barrier. I, I, it's hard to, to shake that. It's crazy that that's been five years ago, but what I wanted to say about Rio is I just, that, that race was such a weird race when you Kim boy getting disqualified by, uh, what, uh, McKess- what is it, McKessie Benabad, the French, the French steeler yeah. guy uh, for yeah. tattling because uh, Kimboy got an advantage by stepping on half a millimeter on the inside. But that race yeah. also, Jager's got, I, I was looking through photos the other day of Evan Jager and just uh, the sunglasses shining off the, uh, this is not going nowhere, this t- this is just in my brain. I don't have anything really uh, relevant to say about this other than I always think of that race because I remember you know, following that Olympics was different because we're used to the Olympics either being on tape delay here in the States or, you know, you're watching it at some weird hour. And that race took place in like the middle of the day and you're just like track yeah. finals happening with sunlight. We're like, what is going on? Why are they having this race so early? I mean, I almost think it was like at like 11 o'clock in the morning. It was so, so weird. Uh, and then all that happened with Kim Boy and then Jager getting that medal. It was just a weird... It was, it was a funny experience overall, I think. And, and just having that race uh, as one of his standout moments is uh, I always think of think of all those weird little glitches that were associated with the that Rio final. The women too, right? The women was during the, the day. The women was, were also during the day as well. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, the women's 10, like, there were several track races. Yeah. That women's were, 10 was. Several distance races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say that's when, uh, that's when the disrespect of the uh, – that the steeple started of like, eh, just throw it on during the day, whatever. We should have, 
we should have seen it in hindsight that's when it was when it was starting to to take hold yeah when when you're when you're when you're going when they're putting you in the morning that's that's when you know you need to watch out refresh my memory of uh 2016 with with Kemboy's finishing place before he got DQ well it was third i think he got bronze right okay cuz I, yeah. I don't remember any i don't think it was not so like, Jager I don't beat remember him. Jager getting, yeah, Jager beat him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, I mean, he's Ezekiel Kimboy is always my 2016 bronze medalist. Not that he needed another medal, but that that is yeah. outrageous that he doesn't have that yeah. medal. But yeah, I was just that adding that. In I guess and, I was and Jager's medal. Yeah, I guess I was thinking about 15. Then I was thinking about 15 when Kimboy. Oh, he was won still. in 15. Kimboy won in 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But when yeah. I'm talking about J Jager having the unfortunate um duty of going against like peak Kemboy um and then right into peak on Tal. Then I know I know it's not like Jager finished second right behind him, but I mean that's kind of a soul crushing move there on the back stretch from from Kemboy, right? Listen, the you know I've talked about this a million times with you and you've heard me riff about the Beijing World Championships too many times enough to pull your eyes out. But other than Gatlin versus Bolt, that that move by Kimboy in 2015, I encourage anyone to watch it if you haven't or if you haven't seen it in a while. Uh, term is overused, but cheat code. The, his acceleration was absolutely stunning. I mean, I that's when I was like, how is Evan Jager ever supposed to medal or you know obviously beat one of these guys? It was I, I know Kimboy has finally you know started to slow down, but. That was unbelievable to see someone run that fast in the last lap of a steeplechase and to accelerate the way he did. And uh, one of, that's why he's wanting. To, aside from just the the dancing, it, Ezekiel Kemboy's hijacked this this Bowerman podcast. But uh, <laughs> aside from just the dancing, he, <laughs> his performances were super entertaining. And then, of course, running out into lane eight that that's also a, a signature move. <laughs> All right, we got two more here. 2016 Olympic Women's Marathon Trials with Craig and Flanagan. Craig gets the win, and you have the awesome emotional scene afterwards because she was literally dra dragging Shalane Flanagan yeah. there. Um, yep. So I, I picked that one. They get two of the three spots on the Olympic team, but they it was teamwork. It was teamwork. The, it was hot that day in L.A. I was there. I remember that one. I may not remember when Ezekiel Kemboy won gold medals, Lincoln, but I do remember the Olympic marathon trials in 2016. Yeah, just assume it was every every single time. Um, yeah, that was a statement race for maybe Craig, and and you know Flanagan had to be in a wheelchair afterwards. So that's you know mm -hmm. that's an image for the for the family album there that she was able to gut through that. Yeah, it was very hot. I wasn't there, but. Everyone who was there tells me it was pretty hot that day, unseasonably warm for LA in that time of year. So, uh, yeah, just that one will will be one for a while. And that's when our first introduction to the old uh, vapor flies started. I don't think we knew what was going on there, Stop. but we're not doing some that. people doing that would say, show. "Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not okay. We're not going there." Okay, all right. All right. Shoe King, check it out. It's coming to Netflix. Uh, this yeah, <laughs> this week they had to push it back. <laughs> uh yeah i just thought i thought it was a uh like during the race remember she's like they were encouraging each other so you got yes. to actually see um teammates interact in that race but 
even if they didn't, you get two of the three spots on the marathon team. That's pretty dang good. And then my last one, I'm going to jump a whole bunch of years and go to pre-BTC, pre-BTC in 2010 with the Solinsky race. Yeah. So here's a little sidebar. This is this is just fascinating and it has no one's going to care about this, maybe other than you. So yesterday I was just trying to get my years right while writing this top 10 list of Bowerman athletes. And there was an article written. It was a Q&A with Jerry Schumacher in the weeks following Chris Zielinski's 10,000 meter American record in 2010. Mm-hmm. And it was going into a little bit of his backstory about how, and I, I guess I didn't know this exactly, but how he first kind of left and was, you know, coaching, I guess, alongside Alberto Salazar. Is that, was that, was that correct? I, di- I didn't remember that. I mean, I know those guys don't if like I'm, each other, but. Well, if I'm remembering this correctly, that was the original plan. Hey, come okay. out to Oregon, leave Wisconsin, come out to Oregon. Yeah. Start and- this, help start this pro group with me. That was the initial and, intention, if I'm remembering correctly. And I, I guess they, you know, they, no, this, I'm just kidding. This isn't true, but I want to make this up on the spot. I guess they went out for beers and uh, they just didn't meet eye to eye and they ended up in a fist fight after. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I had to preface that because I think people don't want, I don't want people to think I'm lying all the time. So, anyways, this article, I was reading it yesterday, it's from 2010, 2010. And it said in the article that Jerry Schumacher original plan was to go out and coach alongside or whatever with Alberto Salazar with the now defunct Nike Oregon project. This article was written in 2010 and the, either the author or the editor of this website had gone back 10 years or nine years later, gone back into the CMS, edited the post from 10 years ago to say the now defunct Nike Oregon project. I was fascinated with that. Well, hold on though. Hold on though. I think what this could have been is there was a first iteration of the Oregon project and that, and then I think they rebranded it as just OTC. Yeah, I think so. Oh, like Dan, like when Dan Brown, when Dan Brown was living in the altitude house with all those other people and there was that big article, uh, Google, Google this while you got your computer and your fast internet in front of you. Google, uh, Google Oregon Project Wired Magazine and tell me when that article was from because that's the, the first time I remember reading about it. But Rupp wasn't running initially for the Nike Oregon Project. It was OTC Elite. That's why he's in that same – or OTC Portland, whatever it was called. That's why he's in the same thing, uh, same jersey. I mean, I've, I've got an article from 2002 here. Is that yeah. the ultimate, yeah. the ultimate yeah. running machine? Yeah. Yep. So it was okay. it was Dan Brown and it was a whole bunch and the whole idea was the way this whole thing started was Salazar was going to bring American marathoning sure. back to the forefront, back to the glory days and he was using all this cutting edge science to do it and they had an altitude house. That's what that's why Wired was so interested in the story. There was all this tech that went along with it. Um oh. and I don't know if funding dried up or what uh cuz obviously Rupp is in high school around that time or about to be in high school around that time. So then he starts coaching at central Catholic. I don't know if he was doing both of the things at the same time, but then, yeah, I think that they at least got rid of the name, right? Because okay, Oregon project jerseys don't start showing up. I don't think until, is it 2011, the Daegu year? Cause Farah joined the group at the beginning okay. of 2011. Yeah. Um, okay. But if you go yeah, back this and is look at 20, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I shout out to the editor if they really did go back and go into the CMS uh, yeah. nine years later. That's, that's well, because editing, the, but I, I think an on yeah, an onlooker of the 2010 race that we'll talk about finally in, in just a sec was, you know, Selinsky unseating Rupp or, you know, kind of taking his, mm-hmm. his shine and what was supposed to be his American record race. They're both wearing the same OTC kit in yeah. there, but of course they couldn't be anything further away than teammates or training partners. So, uh, it's just funny. It, you're, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Your, your, your intuition is probably closer to the truth than me thinking somebody went back 10 years later and edited an article to make it more factually correct for posterity. But anyways, yes, that race, the, the Chris Zelensky 2659, uh, you know, there's been many running, stories on many sites written about it just famous for its surprise famous for who was in the race how fast it was all together Zelensky uh jumping in a 10,000 it was it was his first career 10,000 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh and then obviously the just the year he had overall in 2010 he broke 13 minutes on three occasions and you know just the the misfortune of having the best season of his career in an off year uh and mm-hmm somehow some way having the ball bounce incorrectly enough to where someone of his capability uh never made an olympic team it's just it's all of that in one and then nothing kind of defines the career of chris Zelensky more than the the 2659 at peyton jordan yeah yeah and also in that same race simon byru who's in that group breaks the canadian record as yeah. well too it was a big it was a big moment for the group not that they needed validation i mean it was another I don't think BTC jerseys popped up. Gordon and I were talking about this yesterday until 2014. Uh, right. I remember. That, that. I, yeah. What I was going to say, I remember when they were talking publicly about like what they were going to name it and they thought about naming it like Rip City, which I mean, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. they made the correct, the correct decision to, to go to Bowerman Track Club. It just, uh, it flows a little nicer and you give homage to, to, to old Bill. So, uh, I think it works out. It's a good name and good color scheme too. They did good on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the red and black, just enough, just enough bad mix with just enough good. You don't have any skull and crossbow crossbones or whatever it was, uh, or skull of the Nike York project. And, but, but it's, but it's, it's mysterious. I like it. Too many things. I know they were the first one to do project, I think, but too many things became a project that -hmm. it became a little, uh, overdone. Whereas Track Club is just classic. I know a lot of things are named Track Club, but that's literally what they are. I mean, they have like masters and, runners and youth runners, so they literally are right. a a a track club in Portland. And like I mentioned with the jerseys, number one ranking on the kit rankings uh, done by yours truly last year. So can't I, argue with that. I I'll never forget the moment. Well, I'll probably forget the moment because I forget a lot of things. But I, <laughs> I, last year, both I and Jonathan Gall of Let's Run were interviewing Kay Grace after a round at USA's. And I just, I always, as you know, I like to end with random stupid questions. And I said, I asked her about her uniform because last year they had the, the I don't know, how would you describe the, the mixture of red and black on the uniform of the 2019? It was just kind of like a mirage type thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It was, you have to see it. To, anyways, I said, yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's cool. And then, uh, Jonathan Gall of Let's Run said, yeah, I don't really care for it. And it was just kind of like this awkward thing. It's like, we've got Kate Grace there wearing the uniform. 
And then basically he just, Jonathan Gall just said, I don't like your outfit. And it was just kind of like, okay, well, I don't know, really know what to do there. Uh, forgot where I was, but it's just a lot of random things are surfacing now that I have all this idle time. Uh, <laughs> well, I think but, their jerseys last year were awesome. I liked them. I liked the yeah. plasma craziness of them. I did not like the NOP ones last year with the weird color uh, scheme. I came up with all the words to describe it last year, and I don't remember the exact way I described it, but it was like a uh, – I don't know. Like the discoloration was very, very, it was very jarring to me. I like the classic, like black and white thing. I didn't need like a weird rainbow yeah. interspersed in there. Yeah. It looked like an oil spill. That's, that's what the, you know, that's, I think that's look like. Yeah. It looked like an oil spill. I think spill. that's what we decided on. What was the other yeah. random, what was the random question you asked Ryan Krauser last year? Speaking of last question, Lincoln strikes. Oh no, that was not last year. That was at us indoors. Uh, I, I wondered if he thought because he wears cowboy hats, if he thought the cowboy hat was an underrated hat. Uh, so I just thought I just liked having fun with it, and he he did think it was an underrated hat. He definitely thought it was underrated, which makes sense, you know. Uh, yeah. So here's why that's like a good question. There. Here, here's yeah. why that's a good question. I bet he's been asked a million times, "Why do you wear the cowboy hat?" Right. But yeah. no one's like taking the next step. Like you went the next yeah. step in his brain of like, mm -hmm. oh, let's get some commentary on this. Let's see what he mm -hmm. thinks about the culture of cowboy hats and let's go. Is it an underrated hat? Well, and I, I, I always, I also wanted to kind of discover the, the mindset behind it. Cause as you mentioned, mm -hmm. I know he went to Texas and he's kind of has the appearance of obviously being a good old boy. And it's not somebody you'd want to pick a fight with somebody who's six, seven and 300 over 300 <laughs> pounds. No. He's from Oregon. He's from Oregon originally. So yeah. it's a, he's not actually, uh, he doesn't have the, the, the typical cowboy background, but he's adopted it mm -hmm. for his own, not, not only going to Texas, but, but wearing wearing the cowboy hat all all the time after before and after competitions, he really adopted it. But if you take if you look at what anybody's wearing or what anybody's doing, and you ask that person, "Hey, do you think X is underrated?" You'll probably get a pretty good answer because they yeah. think it is. Yeah. Because they're like, if I asked you, I said, "Hey, Lincoln, do you think do you think uh, uh, Holmes and Taylor Texas are underrated right now?" What would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say definitely. And people need to start buying out here. Definitely underrated. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy, buy. All right, let's yeah, yeah. let's rank these. Let's see if we can come to a consensus okay. on ranking because I don't want to argue. Uh, this is all about peace and love. Number one, we're given to Flanagan. I'm going to put a one by that one. Good. What's like two? It. Is it is is two Jaegers silver medal? Is it is it the 2019 USA's? Is it the marathon trials? tough i gotta look at the is list it I, know your name. I mean it's just we've been told over and over and over again beat over the head and this is what the athletes say too is to devalue medals over anything else but i think i want to put that second i mean if Solinsky? i can tell you i can literally t and i know i'm a running nerd and this is what i do for a career but i i, I can tell you he ran 26 59 60 off the top of my head it's been 10 years mm -hmm. ago I had to, during the course of this, I had to think to myself, okay, was Evan Jager, did he get silver in 2016 or 2017? I know that's because he got two medals and yeah. I knew they were different, but I, I didn't have to, I didn't, down to the decibel, I didn't have to think, you know, rack my memory what time 
Chris Zelensky ran. You just remember it more. And the fact that it happened on U.S. soil is and, and in a race that, you know, wasn't just a, a championship one where he got ninth, you know. Yeah. And that doesn't mean one twenty six fifty nine is better than the other, but but this this was just stunning and and to the magnitude that I think you have to put it number two. All right, then number three, you have women's three K at BU, Woody Kincaid twenty nineteen USA's twenty seventeen Worlds, Jager Olympics or Olympic marathon trials for the women. Um, I I'll show my bias, and you can you can you you can. Uh, veto this but i i want to go to cordy Ferrex silver because you know a missouri product there's not many world championship medalists from nixa missouri i know famously jason Bourne was from nixa missouri and so okay, a fictional okay. uh, fictional native and and then cordy Ferrex being the real native I, I i think that that was that was stunning for her and maybe a race you could also include in there would be her american record a year later but i would put that third for me Okay. No, I agree. Well, because I've the way I positioned it with 2017 Worlds, you get three for the price of one there. So I'll say that's okay. three. I'll put Jager's okay. Jager Silver four, and then I think mm -hmm. I would go Marathon Trials five. Yeah. 2019 USA six, and then the two most recent ones, Kincaid and the women's 3K. I'd go eight, eight, eight and nine there. Um, you go Kincaid above were, the, the three women. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird I mean, not they, to have. I mean, you, you have you have Shelby in the 2019 USA's category, but you don't really have her again in here. And it's weird because she's been she's been so good. Um, yeah, but she ran yeah, eight, eight and nine. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and was disappointed. Broke the, yeah. broke the American <laughs> record in that one. Um, well, I don't even think she'd want us to include it in here. I, don't, I really don't think right. – I don't think she thought she – I mean, that wasn't the story that she wanted there. I mean, I don't yeah. – eight and nine, I don't – I mean, both of those are time trials. And other than the Solinsky, um race, which obviously had crazy import for other reasons. So I'll go I'll go the women's 3K8 and then and then Kincaid – or sorry, seven and then Kincaid eight. That's what I would – that's what my, my list yeah, will I, round out. Or, and I like that list because, I mean, ultimately – the Portland, the the Portland race. Uh, once you got past the times, it was kind of like, what was the point of this? I know they wanted to hit the standard, but it really didn't. You know, be taking place basically after Kincaid's season had already run the course of the race, and mm -hmm. it was more of like what could have been in 2019 because it felt like, oh man, why couldn't you have done this earlier? Like I, you know, why couldn't you have tried to do this in July before before USA's or in June or something? And I know probably the fitness hadn't progressed. Wasn't there. ready. Wasn't he ready. wasn't ready, but I mean, it just was more of like a what? It still had some some head scratching things. Whereas Swizer was like, that was her breakout, and it, it established her as somebody who could maybe be a medal contender. And it, I don't know. It just, I I, I see. We don't have to, yeah, we don't have to go over and over again of which race should be seven and which should be eight. But I I think Swizer and all three of those women breaking the old record is is more impressive than the the Portland five k. The Portland, the Portland race was a cool running moment, right? Had a cool backdrop, yeah. had a cool stage, and had a unexpected result. Like that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And in a world where we don't need to rank things, you could just be like, "Hey, this was a standalone cool thing," and it was. Listen, so. that race was the favorite uh, of all your friends named Trevor, who have uh, whose 
favorite Radiohead album is from 1995 and have been well, to maybe, multiple Radiohead shows. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Now, this is different because U.S. Distance Running is at a different place, but maybe for 18 or 19-year-olds, like however old you were when you saw Solinsky's race, maybe that's what the Kincaid race was like for them. Ah, good point. Good, good point. Was hipsterism, hipsterism a thing in 2010? Not Definitely not to the level it was in 2019, but of if you're ranking was. most hipster races of all time, Portland, <laughs> the Portland 5000 is way above anything else. Yeah, well, anything in Portland is going to be higher than everything else. Uh, okay, yeah, we got 10 true. minutes left. I want to read, I want to read some emails. Um, Let's do it. Read some emails here. This is from uh, Patrick. Got a what if for you. What if NCAA cross country had promotion and relegation like what we see in European soccer? I'm thinking it'd be done by region and conference. Things would have to realign to make it all work. And I haven't worked out many details, but I figured the guys with a track podcast and no track could do some of that for me. For example, this year, the Rutger, Rutger men, he says S purposely omitted, finished last from at, at the Big Ten meet. Down in D2, Grand oh. Valley State finished first in the GLIAC and first in the region if you want to do it pro uh oh by oh oh sorry if you want to do promotion relegation by region so in this scenario rutger is heading down obviously grand valley moving up for the sake of being fair to the athletes let's also say that any runner on a relegated team can transfer without having to sit out a year with that system could we see a team like north central rise all the way to d1 would adam state eventually be a d1 podium team would lower level d1 teams just shutter their programs all together Stay safe and wash your hands. That is Patrick. That got dark there towards the end with pro- yeah. I was going to say oh, there's a lot going on there, and I prefer. You know, <laughs> there's plenty of other subpar running programs. I mean, Rutgers just or sorry, Rutger just got uh man the the <laughs> uh, the Scarlet Knights just did not see that smoke coming today. They thought you've they were dug safe into the numbers their- before though, right? You've dug into these numbers. Yeah, D two D three. Well, right? Gordon Gordon looked at it, and you know he was saying that like. I think they ha- he had – I don't know what exactly his system was. No one really knows his system for statistical content. But apparently, like, you know, the top D2 program one year could get in the teens. And then he had North Central getting dead last in NCAAs. And obviously, you know, there's a big drop-off. And we- we'll never really know. I don't think there's going to be a relegation system. A little complicated as far as things go. And I think North Central likes winning – division three titles more than they like seeing where they could fare in 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 division one but uh, you know yeah maybe a really really strong year i think of the adam state women this past uh this past fall they were pretty darn good and they went they went one two three at division two nationals and were running some pretty solid times you know maybe they could be a top five team possibly but i think you're going to find for the most part you know, a, div- a really good Division Two team that wins nationals is probably going to be outside the top ten in Division One, and then Division Three. I, I I would probably say you're either going to be last or second to last. I mean, there's there's a pretty clear drop off. Even the teams that get last, you know, I I wasn't thinking relegate. Let's not be let's not relegate the teams that are really struggling, like like uh, like Rutgers, who probably doesn't put any money into into. Uh, cross country i was thinking like let's relegate like the florida states and texas who who whoever gets la- make it more fun just because they're still a strong team but relegate the teams that get last at nationals which oh, sure you can say it's not conference yeah 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 I mean, because, because I mean, of what, course 
of course these D2 and D3 teams could be relevant on a conference level because of the reason you're oh saying a lot of teams yeah. I mean, aren't putting they're not they're not putting resources into their distance programs. So that's obvious. I would love to see like Adam State versus Florida. It's not just shouting out those programs. They've been better than that. But you know, some of the teams that we've seen in the last few years on the men's side finishing in the 30s, you know, kind of, you know, Middle Tennessee State, some of some of those programs that make the meet and then maybe don't do well. I'd love to see how they fare against the top programs otherwise it, it's a waste of time to see how how you know yeah how the kansas state cross-country team faces fares against adam state adam state's gonna win like it's not that yeah we're, we're, we we know that it's more of the, how is the teams that 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 are at the bottom at ncaa d1s how are they gonna face against the teams that win win the other divisions i think that would be much more interesting mm-hmm. all right got mm-hmm. another one here from this one's from Kevin. Saw the article on who would win a virtual mile. Got me wondering who would win and what would be the times if we allowed a series of virtual treadmill races. Depending on pace, someone might be able to run 10 seconds a mile faster on a treadmill. Could we see a sub 12 5K, 335 mile, or maybe a sub four women's mile? For reference, my faster 5K, uh, my fastest 5K on a track is 1525, but ran a time trial on the treadmill the other day in 1452. Wait, what? Uh, I didn't know this what was a world thing. are we in? It's harder I mean, to run on a th- treadmill. I think it feels harder, but I think you, I think he's right. I mean, m- some of that might be measuring error as well, too, right? Oh, I, I didn't know. I, I thought it was. I thought you had slipped up when you said sub twelve. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen, probably regardless. But I thought you meant to say sub thirteen. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I, I had no. I, I'm not Ronix, familiar with this phenomenon on a treadmill. Yeah, and with the shoes. Well, no, he's an Adidas. Never mind. He doesn't cheat. Uh, I understand that it kind of yeah. it's bouncy and it kind of pulls you along, but I I didn't know that we were out here saying that running on a treadmill can make you much here faster. we go from hill from hillrunner.com according to them because of a lack of wind resistance while running on a treadmill the effort of running on a treadmill at zero percent incline is less than that of running on a level road at the same pace below is a chart that you can use to approximate equivalent efforts between running on a treadmill at different paces and inclines and running outdoors on a level surface. Okay, but riddle me so this. There. Why, when I try to run six-minute pace on a treadmill, am I in an all-out <laughs> sprint? <laughs> just loud. That There's just, a guy next to yeah. you talking to yeah. you. It's just weird. You're not, you're not seeing uh, things move by you. I mean, it's the same reason why when you run at night, I think, you always feel like you're going way faster than you are because you don't have anything in your frame Good of point. reference. If, like, Good have point. you ever run on the track? Like, have you ever run on uh, – done like repeats on the track when it's completely dark you feel like you're running 405 pace and you're not Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not at least like because there's nothing to to judge it off of um okay okay so so lincoln learned question who yeah i did definitely back to the question yes i did this exercise uh who did i think would win a virtual mile i thought it would be a little bit more fun but then i ended up coming back pretty much to just who the best milers in the world are uh so yeah. I said Safan Hassan would win a virtual mile on the women's side right now, not only because she was the best miler in the world by far last year, but also because I think the Michael Johnson track is still open legally. So uh, okay. because the Nike campus has not closed, so she would have access to that. And uh, in that regard, I think she would win. And then on the men's side, I went with Jacob Inga, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Uh, I've been seeing him rip on the, speaking of the treadmill, he's been running some some quick some quick workouts on the treadmill. I think he could, I think he could, I don't know, run, maybe he could run 352, knowing what I know now about the treadmill. 
or, or possibly faster. Maybe he'd run 345 on the treadmill. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, He yeah. looks pretty strong right now in that regard. So I don't know. Who would you pick in a virtual virtual race? Because remember, like I said in the article, see the, can you sit in, in the article virtually? I yeah, the see chariot. Like I said, and now he can run really fast times in Nairobi, but you got to run where you're at. And my my best investigative yeah. journalism indicates that Ch- Timothy Chariot is at home in Nairobi, where the altitude is 5,800 feet. It's going to be a little bit more challenged than than Jakob Ingebrigtsen in in the sea level of Sardin's Norway. Yeah. Maybe Craig Engels. That said, yeah. <laughs> that that said, though, uh, what was I going to? Uh, Inge- sorry, chariots run three thirty four at at fifty eight hundred feet. So maybe yeah. he would he would still. Win. And also, chariot doesn't need any help to be mm-hmm. pulled to a fast time. We know that because yeah. of Exhibit A, Doha World Championships. I want to yeah. do one more before we go because they're making fun of Gordon. So I want to do this one. This is from uh, Kristen, Melody, and Marissa. She said, uh, it's, it's a long message. It's about injuries, but it's also making fun of Gordon. So it's a good uh, email here. Good. Uh, to Kevin and Lincoln, note, not to Gordon Mack, because you kind of made fun of Ed Eyestone last week on the podcast. And as you can see, we are B- BYU Cougar champions. And so you can't mess with Ed because he's a legend. Boom. Mm. Yeah, there goes, you go. It goes back to, it goes back to the uh, quarantine episode. <laughs> mm. uh, to be fair, I think... I think Gordon does like Ed Eyestone. He just said he didn't want to be uh, quarantined with him. I've seen Gordon followed Ed Eyestone in the bleachers at the 2019 NCAA championships to film a reaction video um, with him. Uh, anyway, quarantine, they say. It's a special time because we're all going crazy. And during that time, we have valiantly listened to the Flow Track podcast and even made up some of our own Britney Spears jokes. See the notes at the bottom. So they have some Britney Spears oh, jokes wow. at the bottom. Like, why is Bolt crying? Because he just got speared. Uh, <laughs> uh, why did why did why did Spears move to England to be a surgeon so she could work on Britney's? There you go. Oh wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't know where fun. that was going. Anyway, there are uh, three sisters who love running who are currently injured on the same leg. Do you want to know how, Lincoln? I will tell I you. Uh, so we figured it might be a little. Desperate for content, we spend. our injury stories are pretty unique, especially because of the coincidence that we all got injured on the same at the same time on the same leg. Kristen is into the full mm-hmm. marathon. Melly likes to run halves, and Marissa just likes to run, but mostly like five k's. So Kristen basically ran her tailbone off, kind of like Connor Mance. Well, at least close. She actually broke her pelvic bone on the left side during marathon training. She couldn't even stand on one leg to put her pants on. But Kristen was talking mm-hmm. to Jared Ward. That's a good person to talk to. Wow. When her injury was still undiagnosed, Jared had the moment when he dis- had this moment when he described his pubic bone fracture coming out of the 2016 Olympics and how he couldn't stand up to put his pants on. Kristen started freaking out because that was exactly what was happening to her. Uh, watching her walk was hilarious. It was like watching a baby penguin trying to put take its first steps, dragging a hungry <laughs> polar bear. Melody was scouting on her run. She was on a date, and we just put that in to make her feel better, riding out one of those really dangerous electric scooters that you have to sign your life away to ride. Have you ridden an electric scooter, Lincoln? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Anyway, she and her scouting partner, her date were coming back from hiking the Y in Provo, Utah. And one of the scooters stopped working. So they decided to ride 
on one scooter. The brake failed and they both had to bail. Long story short, her ACL was torn to shreds. Her MCL was partially torn and her femur bruised. Her scouting partner had to carry her home because she couldn't walk. Her legs swelled up so much she almost didn't get her pants off. Ironic, right? Because Kristen can't get her pants on. Well, she had (laughs) surgery and now her leg looks really wimpy, but to give her credit, it's getting much stronger. She can currently run farther than anyone else in the family. Finally, Marissa just grew wrong and had to have hip surgery after running a painful season of cross country and tearing her labrum. They found out she had this weird thing called femoral or femora acetabular impingement where her femur and hip don't fit together properly. Really, this is probably just made up, but since we already met the medical insurance deductible, we decided to trust the surgeon and just go for it. (laughs) Marissa has no trouble with her pants. Well, that's our story. We wanted to be on your podcast because we are unique with our stories and we are losing our minds with all this COVID-19 stuff going on, especially because Kristen is a nurse and is super into epidemiology and public health. So she's pretty strict with all this. She won't even let us look at our friends or even talk about them without going crazy. (laughs) So that's Kristen, Melody, and Marissa. Thank you all very, very much. Well, my brain is still running through all those, all the the situations there, and all the uh, injuries and 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 everything. Uh, I hope to hear an update from them how each of their various mm-hmm. maladies uh, are hopefully healing. I hope. Who was it that couldn't put their pants on? Was that was that Marissa? <laughs> uh, I, I that was. That was. I'll tell you. Um, Kristen. Kristen. Well, Kristen, wait, I hope who, you can put your can't... pants on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, wait. She can't take them off. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> hold on. We'll get the, get the... Oh, Kristen can't get her pants on, and Melody can't take them off. There we go. Melody. We got it. We got it. We figured it out. I hope... I mean, um, if... If, if there's a silver lining to this, I maybe you don't really have to take your pants on and off right now, uh, in in quarantine. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I assume most people are still wanting to every once in a while change clothes. Um, <laughs> yes. So all the best to those three. Uh, that was our best email. I would have to say that we've ever received. That that was yeah. that was incredible checked all the boxes we got a couple more but we'll save them for later on the week the email address is flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com and i hope everything clears up by the fall because i'd like to go back to provo i went there last year and i had an excellent time it was the only time in my life i'd ever been to provo i'd driven through some other parts of utah and gone to zion and things like that but never been to provo and salt lake and it was great and it was um we had a good time filming workouts with the team so i hope to get back there um and 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 see all them and eat at the red iguana in salt lake city it was delicious isaac wood just destroyed a, a milkshake in front of me and it was an impressive feat uh, that i'll never quite forget the group out so. there. Quite yeah. the utah it is a utah has it going on yeah yeah donovan mitchell isaac wood got the whole yep. got the whole squad out there all right we'll Maybe leave it you there can so long. A, you can be a mediator between rudy gobert and and donovan mitchell you know they're they're still feuding a little bit so anyway yeah go ahead i can't imagine why i don't think i have the capability to mend that one in any event thank you to alon for producing thanks everybody for tuning in we'll be back tomorrow remember you can find the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google play wherever you find your podcasts we'll talk to you guys later